Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Two in a week. So you guys probably can't believe it. I can't believe it. But it's early in the morning down here drinking some coffee and got to finish up. What's funny is, well, it's not really funny. I feel bad about it. But in the last podcast, I told you I had a guest coming on. And actually, uh, I was supposed to have a podcast with Christian Berg while he was driving to his son's baseball game. And we had about an hour to talk. What's funny is we started talking about the subject, and I'm sure it's going to come up because we will still do this, but we ended up talking on the subject of target panic uh, because Christian was, even though he's the editor of Peterson's Bowhunter, uh, he had target panic really bad and was really struggling and then called me uh, several years ago to try to help him. So we ended up going through... A process, and then, as you may or may not have seen this week on the Knock on TV show, Christian uh, came to Iowa after waiting a long time to draw a tag and shot just an awesome buck using the Carter Evolution, of course. And kind of, it was just a, it's a good segue with this week's show being Christian's. Um, but anyway, he was talking about how much it's changed his life as a as a bow hunter and as a shooter and started talking about his whole new perspective on how to actually perform archery and the shot process and as he was talking he was just getting really really excited and he ended up uh saying oh crap and i said what next thing i know there's a there's a cop talking to him through the through the door and he ended up getting pulled over for really excessive speeding because he was so excited he ended up just mashing the pedal so needless to say we only got about five minutes of that podcast recorded and he was done so it kind of put a damper on that now he's actually traveling so unfortunately uh, I'm not able to to have that podcast for this podcast 61, but that's okay. I'll I'll improvise and I'll get Christian on here in a few days, so all's good. But uh, looking through these questions as a continuation through from podcast 60, um, there's actually a lot of repeating people asking about shot sequence my shot execution, um, you know, just all these different things specific to what my routine is. And honestly, my shot routine is something that continually stays very basic. I don't really like to cloud my routine with a very complex or multi- tasking 
type of thing. I, I want it to be something that's simple, that focuses on the key ingredients to what it takes to have proper form and execute a perfect shot. And really, those five basic things are going to be your stance, your grip, your front shoulder, your anchor, and then your peep sight. Those are pretty much my five steps. If you've ever watched me shoot, there's a flow that happens. And especially when I practice, if I'm practicing, there's times where I practice where I'm trying to, I guess, it's hard to explain, but there's certain times when I practice that I focus on certain things Like, you know, I may just focus on how my arrows are actually grouping or I may be focusing on how a broadhead's working or I may be focusing on, you know, maybe what type of scores um, one arrow point versus another weight point. But then there's also times when all of my equipment is set, all of my equipment is how I want it, then that's when you really start to want to focus and have practice that allows you or enables you to be able to get into a zone. And I'm really good about zoning out when I'm practicing. If my equipment's all good and I'm outside and I'm just working for rhythm. Um, For example, a few weeks ago, before I went to British Columbia, I was just really wanting to get in reps and work on building, just building that muscle memory. And you really want to build your shot to happen. You want, I I always think about my shot, my steps and my shot process, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I also, like to just ingrain that to where it just becomes systematic and you have flow and you have rhythm and your timing just almost gets to where every shot is just naturally firing within a second of the last, a second of the last, a second of the last. And on those days when I'm doing that and just focusing on those steps, getting that flow, Um, time passes by really fast. Um, and then, you know, as I'm, as I'm either using my, my clicker, um, for counting arrows or if I'm poking holes in the paper, depending on which way I'm doing it, uh, you know, there was a day where I think I did 500 in a day. And honestly, unless Sharon would have came out and said, are we going to eat tonight or not? Uh, I probably wouldn't have even realized how, you know, that, that I should have stopped because I was just in that flow. And if you've ever, if you ever watch me in that flow, my focus always starts looking down. And that's because the first thing that I do is look down at my feet, check my stance, check my foot position and how I address the target. Um, I know somewhere in here I saw, actually, and maybe I answered in the last time, but I saw somewhere a question recently from someone who was asking me to talk more specifically about the foot position and said that they were, you know, a competitive golfer and know the importance of, of your foot position. Archery is no different. 
your foot position immediately has an impact on how your shoulders are turned as well. So the more you open this, your stance, if you're a right-handed shooter standing on a shooting line, the more you open your stance, the more you're also going to turn your left shoulder away from the target. And as you do that, you're going to start to change the triangle, which if you look at, if you can imagine you're um, looking at yourself from straight over the top when you're at full draw, your front hand would be one point of a triangle, your left shoulder would be another, and then your rear elbow would be the other. That's a triangle. So the more you open your stance, kind of the, the bigger that triangle is going to get in the middle. Your shoulder is going to be kind of further out of line versus those other two. And the more you open that triangle, um, the more it's going to change how your bone alignment can help you versus your ability to have to actually hold that triangle in position utilizing muscle structure. Um, likewise, if your stance is closed, meaning your front foot is forward and your right and your shoulder starts to almost come too much in line with the front hand and the rear elbow, then what happens is that front shoulder starts to have the ability to creep up against the neck or collapse, or it's now turned so that it's directly in line with the string. So your feet dictate so many elements of where your shoulder or what your shoulder will be doing during that shot. And I know that there's several people that have asked questions specific to why a Carter Evolution um, sometimes feels like it's inconsistent. And that inconsistency, nine times out of ten, whenever I'm coaching someone, the inconsistency comes from the position of their front shoulder. And even if at full draw, their anchor, their head position, everything looks fine, if their feet weren't in the correct place before they ever drew their bow, they've already predetermined what their natural posture is going to do once they come to full draw. And if they've completely closed that triangle, that shoulder is going to want to creep up and against the neck. And it's just not going to have the capacity, the muscle capacity to stay down and forward. Now, the more you open your stance, so if you're a right-handed shooter and you're standing on the line, if your left foot is really open, meaning it's further back, almost like one foot further back than your rear foot, then what happens is when that triangle gets too big, and even if you're sitting there right now listening to this podcast, just go ahead and pretend like you're at full draw, and then while you're looking in a comfortable position at full draw pointing at a target, 
go ahead and just turn your left shoulder further away from that target to the left. And you'll see that if you're in a full draw position and you turn your torso, meaning your right shoulder's going a little bit more forward and your rear shoulder's starting to come back, then your shoulder itself will naturally start to drop and come back. And that is what a lot of people that are worried about aiming, they really compress that front shoulder. Sometimes they open their stance a little bit more because they feel more solid. But what's happening is that shoulder is actually just starting to drop and the scapula is pushing back against the spine. And that really restricts your ability to pull through the shot with the rear portion of your shoulder or the rear portion of your body, meaning your rear shoulder, your rear arm, your pulling arm. And that little movement that I just talked about, you know, we're talking about your chest and your shoulders being turned maybe eight inches one way versus eight inches the other way. All of that starts with the position of your feet because naturally your feet immediately have a ref- you know have an impact on the position of your hips and your hips 100% have an impact on your shoulder position so the first thing that i do is look down at my feet i want to make sure that my feet are in the same position because if they're not then even if i go through all these steps there's a very good chance that my upper torso is not going to be addressing the target in the way that I want to. And this is also important because some people say the longer they aim, the more their pin wants to go left of the target. This is very common. And again, believe it or not, this has an immediate impact on the relativity between your shoulders and your feet. If your feet are slightly more open one time than they are another time, then what happens is the more you open your stance, the more likely you are at the longer you hold for your pin to want to come to the left of the target. Likewise, or on the other hand, If your stance is closed, meaning your front foot is forward of your rear foot, then you're naturally shooting across your body and your body is going to want to slightly go to the right so that it's in line. Your feet at, at minimal should be parallel. I prefer to have the toe of your front foot in line with the ball of your rear foot. Because this is slightly open, but it's not open to the point where that front shoulder wants to go down and drive back. You want your stance to be in a position that lets your torso be slightly, slightly open, but you don't want to be trying to have your core muscles fight yourself one way or the other way because because of your feet position being twisted too much one way or the other way. Because then what happens is the longer you hold, 
you know, you're almost twisted up. Like, you know, if you grab something and, and you twist it, and you grab the top of it and you grab the bottom and you twist it, even though you can hold it there, if you let your muscles relax, it's going to go back to being straight. And that's how our body is too. Our core allows us to turn and twist but it also, the longer you're holding in that position, it's going to want to go to what's natural. And that's going to be your shoulders directly over your hips and your hips over your feet. So the first thing I do is look down at my feet. The next thing I do is look at my grip. Um, my eyes go from straight down right up to where my hand is about to contact my bow. Again, I look at my grip position make sure my grip position is correct. Then I get in the habit, and this is something that a lot of people are not doing correctly, continually not doing correctly in the archery community, is raising their bow straight up to the target, putting their pin on the target, and then drawing that release hand back towards the face. So many people... As soon as they raise the bow, they're hitching their hips, meaning the, the front hip pushes forward, the rear shoulder starts to drop down, and you're already start you're already contorting yourself to have improper archery form. When you're standing there after you've checked your feet and your grip and you raise that bow, I like to have slightly more weight on my front foot and I also like to focus on making sure that my front shoulder is actually straight over my front foot and I imagine that front shoulder being slightly heavier and kind of driving you know not driving but sitting straight over that front foot that has slightly more weight on it and from there I'll raise that bow straight up towards the target. And that immediately brings me into my next checking point, which is my front shoulder position. If my front shoulder feels like it's back or up or compressed against my neck, or if it feels like it's dropped down, like with that exercise I just told you, as you turn yourself to the left, as you turn your shoulders to the left you can feel that shoulder drop down you can feel how that scapula um, kind of starts to press differently on your back I, I really don't want that feeling you know I want to have my triangle in the position that we talked about so when I raise that bow to the target my front shoulder I make sure is down and forward and there's a lot, you can find plenty of pictures of me shooting, and you'll notice that that front shoulder is down and forward. It's not compressed up. My front shoulder is not higher than the rear shoulder. Um, and that position is absolutely critical to being able to make your shot timing and sequence be consistent if you're wanting to have flow and you're wanting to have timing and consistency everything hinges on the front shoulder position and that front shoulder and scapula it can change your draw length so much because if 
if you had, you know, if you went into like a doctor's office and they had um, like a skeleton in there and you just raised up its arm and you could move it any way that you want, what you would find is that front shoulder and the scapula rotation and where that humerus comes into the into the, and is sitting on that scapula, you can move that probably two and a half inches or three inches forward, back, up, down. There is a tremendous range of motion in our front shoulders, and it's funny how there's so many archers out there that. You know, they're sending me messages saying, do you think I'm a 28 and a half or, if, or am I a 28? Um, I just had one today. Someone was, you know, they're like kind of up in air because they don't know whether or not they're a, tw- a 31 and a quarter or 31 and a half. Listen, you're, unless you are totally focused on what I'm talking about right now, there is, that will not matter because what matters the most is the position of your front shoulder and if you don't have control on that then it it really doesn't matter what draw length you shoot and that's why um you know when i was doing those videos here recently i did you know several of the videos that i did was when i was working with joe rogan's bow i mean joe's draw length is at least three inches shorter than mine but i can still make the bow appear to fit me correctly and the reason I could is because I know that all I have to do is manipulate my scapula position I'm not like having to bend my elbow all the way in Uh, all I'm doing is rolling I'm just changing that my scapular positioning on my back and I can absorb or extend really to any draw length I want um it certainly sh- slows down my ability to be able to pull through a release. Um, I have to have way more preload on a release because I don't have near the range of motion or the leverage or ability to pull through the release because if my scapula is pushed down and back, then like I said, um, the front scapula down and back, that rear shoulder blade or rear scapula, it just does not have the, the range of motion to be able to pull through that shot. Because if you're looking at yourself from the back or if you're looking at an archer from the back, what happens is you can imagine your spine and then you have two, two scapulas. So just imagine like two saucers back there. If the saucer on the left, and this is for a right-handed shooter, if the saucer on the left is slid over to where it's touching the spine, then that saucer on the right, which nat- which should normally be able to kind of slide a few inches one way or slide a few inches other way, it's not going to have the ability to slide towards the spine as well as if that plate or scapula on the front half of your body was slid down and forward if it's down and forward then it's out of the way the muscles on the left side um, in the center of your back are extended and elongated and then what happens is it allows your scapula on your on the right or your rear scapula it allows that to then 
come closer to the spine as your elbow is actually pulling back. That scapula comes down and towards the spine as you're pulling through. That's really the movement of back tension and it's fairly minimal. But what happens is there's muscle in between there, your rhomboids and your traps. And if the one on the left or your front shoulder is compressed and tight, there's just too much muscle mass there and they can't slide properly. So the front shoulder is absolutely pinnacle in how well or how crap your shot is going to be. And when I'm watching people shoot, um, this surprises so many people that I work with, is I can... As soon as someone draws back, even when they're using Carter Evolution, I can just flat out tell them this shot's going to be easy. Or I'm, I'll am i just say, well, see what happens. And in my mind, that means, well, you're going to be pulling a long time and you're, this is going to... This is going to be a, a lot of effort to get this shot to fire. And all of that is completely in your setup. I mean, I haven't even looked how much pressure they put on a trigger. I haven't looked at their anchor. I haven't looked at head position. Nothing. These steps, it's amazing. It's a building block. And if they're not correct from the very beginning, it just automatically has a cause and effect so after i raise my bow arm and i know that my front shoulder is down and forward and again if you're just sitting there right now you don't even have a bow and you're listening to the podcast a perfect front shoulder position is if you just take your left arm and just raise it up straight up to your side and just raise it straight up and have your hand in a natural position like you're holding a bow from from your side straight up that's perfect shoulder position now you can easily push it back or you can push it up or you can try to drop you know bend your elbow and drop it down lower but none of that's natural and none of that is something that allows your your bone alignment to work in your favor. So after that, the next thing that I do is I will draw the release hand back towards my face. And when I th- and the next step is actually anchor, okay? And with that, again, when I started, I talked about how my focus is and what I'm looking at. Um, and you can see this I posted a picture, um, just going to look here, I posted a picture at, on my Instagram account, or a video on my Instagram account of me shooting in a gold medal match, uh, dang near, probably 10 years ago, I don't even remember, but um, you can see this, this exact flow that I'm talking about, this shot sequence. Looking down at my feet, my grip, I raise my bow hand, I look right at my release hand because the next thing after shoulder is my anchor. I look at my release hand because what I'm doing is I'm looking at the actual angle of my hand. When I grab my release aid, I wrap my fingers around the release aid, but I keep my hand flat. Okay, I want my hand flat because 
here's the thing we're talking about draw length people that are like fighting for half inch quarter inch of your draw length the, the deal is none of that matters if you're not doing these basics perfectly to begin with and most people don't but when you grab your release hand you wrap your fingers around that release your hand or at least how i like it needs to be flat because what that does is that gives me consistency on the length because if you if you just bend your fingers around a release you're at one length if you make a fist you're at a completely different length if you start to fist a release or if you change the depth of that release how deep you grab it into your hand then you've completely changed your draw length an inch again or even more depending on the size of your hand so I look forward at my hand because I want to one make sure that my hands not balled up into a fist but I also want to make sure that the angle of my release hand is correct so when I'm looking straight at my hand you know your hand can either be tipped straight up vertical where your pinky straight up in the air or it can be tipped horizontal to where your pinky is actually pointing out to the right and that release angle can can have a big importance on where your arrows land the shorter your d loop the more this will factor in because if your d loop gets too short if you start to turn and change the position of your hand you will start to put pressure on that string and start to turn that string and what happens is as soon as you do that it's putting a side pressure on the arrow and it's going to, well, I can tell you what it's going to cause because I get people that ask me this too. If you're a person that when you look on your arrow and it looks like on your arrow that you have, that the arrow is actually riding down that launcher blade on one side of the arrow, it will, a lot of times it won't happen every time. A lot of times it just happens every now and then. But if you look and it appears that on one side of your arrow shaft, it has a stripe that goes all the way down it. But then on the other side, the stripe is only part of the way down the arrow shaft. To me, that shows that sometimes you turn your release hand more vertical than others and what happens is when you do that your string starts to bend you start to press that arrow more on the left side of the arrow rest and it causes a difference and it's because your release hand angle was not the same and this is for handheld i'm talking right now for people that are shooting a handheld release if you're shooting um, a caliper release it's it may not be as important because a lot of times a caliper release will self-correct. However, I have seen people that shoot a wrist strap or a caliper release that really grab a hold of that thing and they turn it. And especially if you're clicking, clipping your release directly onto your string, this has a big, big impact. So I look forward. I make sure that hand position is correct. And then I just draw that anchor or my release hand straight back until the string stops and when it stops it should literally be 
maybe two inches off the side of my jaw. I don't draw down and then come up. I don't draw real high and then come down. I literally want to draw that no different than drawing a bow back on a shooting machine. I imagine that at full draw, I want my anchor on the side of my face. I want my index finger underneath my jawbone. My middle finger will be right on the top side of my jawbone. And I'll have very light pressure of the third finger on my face. If I feel pinky, if I feel a lot of ring finger, then I know that my hand is too vertical for my style of shooting. Um, the two finger release that I came out with um, and the reason I shot them so much was because I just feel like the less fingers you have on a release the less opportunity you have to torque that release or twist that release into a position that's going to cause left and right misses. Um, for those of you who did get, who did get those, that first batch of releases uh, that I made, I've, I mean, I'm getting bombarded with people that are, that are just can't believe how well they shoot. Um, and then I also, we're getting bombarded with people that want to know if they can somehow get one uh, the good news is i did just cut a check to get a new batch done but um they take time so i w hopefully by um hopefully by you know midsummer or so i should have another um list sharon is actually um, comprising a list of people that are already you know kind of getting on getting on that waiting list um, whoever's emailing through our website, but that release for me, and the reason I always shot a two finger release when I competed most of the time was simply because I knew that in the heat of the moment, I wouldn't keep my hand too flat or then keep it too vertical. And it's funny because, um, recently Jesse Broadwater was, um, at a pro series event and absolutely crushed the course and he barely missed x's and what's funny is i've i actually have seen pictures of him from that event and the one target where he was missed where he missed the x there i can look at the picture of the first shot versus that other shot and there's a difference in this exact thing his hand is slightly turned more vertical or probably it's actually in his natural position and then on the shot that went out his hand is actually flat um, so obviously that position does have an effect especially when you have a slightly shorter loop so look at your front hand make sure your positions correctly draw it back feel where you're at you want to anchor again if you're holding handheld release i want my index finger right under my jaw my middle finger right on the top of my jaw if i'm using caliper release the way i like to teach is i like to have the main knuckle of your index finger at the base of your earlobe 
I don't like it behind the earlobe. I don't like the thumb behind the neck. I don't want it above the earlobe. I don't want it below the earlobe. It needs to be on the earlobe. Uh, but from there, once I've anchored, the next thing that I do is then I adjust my head to where I'm looking directly through my peep sight. If your head has to go forward or back, and I believe it was the last podcast where I talked about this and how, you know, if you can imagine holding that little hair in your head, but if your head goes forward ahead of time, then you've kind of already screwed yourself up because now if you're taking your head forward to the string as you're drawing it, what happens is you'll actually get that bow will stop at full draw. Well, now your anchor is in a different position. And again, what's really important about that anchor and what I think about, one, I'm kind of backtracking here a little bit, but when I raise my bow, I look at my release hand, I make sure my angle's good and my hand's flat. Then as I draw, again, I draw imagining that index finger kind of in the same alignment is stopping when it's in the correct position with it being right underneath my jawline. Then I bring that release hand straight over to my face and lay it on the side of my face. I don't bring it behind. If you take your head forward to the string, then what happens is when you go to anchor and then you straighten your head back out, you roll a bunch of skin and tissue on top of your anchor position you do not want that you you want your release hand on the side of your face with minimal or no facial tissue or pressure at all and um with jesse his is so perfect i look at people like jesse or i looked back when someone like randy ulmer shot or dave step um has always been that way uh they the anchor stops they come straight over to the face there's no skin rolled onto the release hand or onto the string or onto the arrow shaft it's super critical and again it's because they haven't changed their head position at the start of their draw cycle you want to just imagine someone holding a hair right in the center of your head when you're standing up and you're looking forward and then you want to just turn your head directly towards the target and it needs to stay in that exact position as you draw your bow back and then when you stop you come into your anchor position from there you're minimally adjusting your head position so that the tip of your nose touches the string that to me is a huge reference because when my draw length is set correctly and when my head position is correct i actually have four reference points for knowing that i'm in line on my shot my four reference points are my index finger under my jaw and knowing that i don't have too many fingers pushing on my face so I know my angles correct from there when my draw length on my bow is set correctly my head positions in the correct position the string is just barely touching or tickling the hairs that are on the corner of my mouth like I said I adjust my head 
to where the string is at the tip of my nose in the dead center of my nose and from there I should be looking perfectly through the peep sight four reference points your anchor string on the corner of your lip tip of the nose dead center through the peep sight it's important that you have this peep as a part of your shot routine following the anchor position because what happens is when you're shooting on inclines or declines if you anchor or let me say if you are trying to look through your peep without worrying about your anchor then your anchor will actually be completely different when you're shooting uphill versus when you're shooting downhill and this is a very common mistake that people make especially in field shooting when I shot field and shot on serious terrain, I could see when people were getting ready to make a mistake and I knew that I was getting ready to get some points coming my way before they ever even shot the arrow. And it's because they would raise their bow to that target and they would literally just draw back and they're so worried about being able to see the target and make that a shot that shot happen at a decent pace because it is tough to shoot uphill and downhill they literally pull that peep back to their eye they just want to be looking through the peep and see their sight they want to get their sight on the target people are kind of wanting to do that and they put the cart ahead of the horse same is true with bow hunters people that shoot downhill you know you're in a tree stand and there's a deer coming People just pull that. They want to look right back into that peep sight. And a lot of times if you look at someone when they're shooting down out of a tree stand, they've got way more string on their face. And the reason is is because when they're shooting down, they're just trying to pull back so that they can see through that peep sight. And they, if you were to literally take them in that position and without them moving at all, straighten them out and raise their bow arm to straight, you would see that their anchor is actually completely different than if they were shooting flat. And it makes a huge difference on impact and accuracy. So you have to be able, even if you're in that tree stand and you're trying to shoot that that shot that's slightly down, what I try to do, and I don't always draw perfectly level, especially in a hunting situation because I don't want to have that much movement, but if there's a deer straight down underneath me, I may be about halfway between level and where that target is, and I'll draw back, come to my anchor, then I adjust my head so that the tip of my nose is on the string, I'm looking through the peep, I find my sight, then I bend at the waist, to acquire the target and that's the same whether I'm shooting down or whether I'm shooting up but your head position is super important for making sure that you're you're looking properly through the string and that you have prop the exact same facial pressure and string position each and every time but you have to do that after you anchor on your face um, from there I'm pretty much set. My finger will go to the trigger. Um, my pin will be on the target. I'll look at my level. My level's there. Um, from there, I'll get my finger on that trigger to start applying pressure. And then once I start that movement of pulling through, 
it's a continual process. If it stops and then starts, and then maybe I feel it stop again, for me, I cancel that shot. It's pretty systematic. The flow's pretty fast. Um, again, if you go to my Instagram page, um, I've got that video that I posted. And the only reason I'm referring to that one is because you'll see it's a picture of me. There's two guys. Um, it's a video. Instagram page is Knock on TV, by the way. Um, let's see. I'm in I'm in a red shirt, a Team USA red shirt, and I'm actually shooting against an Italian guy and um, in a blue shirt. But you can just watch that sequence because that's a a perfect example of this shot routine and the pace that I'm talking about. You can see how my draw is in line. You can see the position of the front hand about halfway through the shot. You can see my head lean forward into the string. And then as I shoot that arrow, um, you can see I look down, reload. As soon as I reload, my vision goes immediately to my feet, then to my hand. Then I raise up, front shoulders down and forward, draw back, anchor, head tips forward to the string, pulling through the shot. 12 to 14 seconds like clockwork every time so uh i guess you never know with the podcast uh even though i had about 15 questions here some of you guys are gonna get put on hold because my shot sequence just took up a podcast hey i want to say once again thank you there's so many of you out there uh, that I know really like these podcasts while you're at work, while you're driving truck, all the above. Uh, thank you so much. Please spread the word. Every You guys are awesome. And uh, appreciate it once again, everyone who, who got one of those new releases. I'm happy that they're working, they're working so well for you. And knock on everybody. Have a good weekend. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com